Hi guys, welcome back to Two Sisters and a TV and a brand new episode. Well, today is May 2nd. We are in the fifth month of the year, the month of May, which is also my birthday month. So to commemorate my upcoming 51st birthday, I'm taking a look back on what was on TV 51 years ago, back in 1971. I went and did my homework and I actually wrote out the list of the top 30 shows on TV during the 1970-1971 season. Um, I didn't go and look at 1971-72 because with me having been born in May, the shows during 1970 and 71, those are the ones that were applicable to when I was born. So without further ado, let's take a look at that list. At number 30, we have the CBS Thursday Night Movie. Number 29, the Jim the Neighbors Show. 28, the ABC Sunday Night Movie. 27, the NBC Monday Night Movie. At 26, The Partridge Family, which made its debut that fall of 1970. 25, The Carol Burnett Show. 24, The Dean Martin Show. 23, The NBC Saturday Night Movie. 22, The Mary Tyler Moore Show, which also was in its first season. 21, The Smith Family. Now that TV show, I've never seen it before. But it starred Henry Fonda and Ron Howard. They were father and son. Of course, there were other people within the cast. Uh, I believe Henry Fonda portrayed a cop. And the show was basically about his life and his family. And Ron Howard, of course, portrayed his son. Also, at number 20, we have The Doris Day Show. Number 19, My Three Sons. Number 18, The Men from Shiloh. Number 17, Mannix. 16, Hee Haw. 15, Maybury RFD. 14, The Wonderful World of Disney. Number 13, Ronan Martin's Laugh-In. Number 12, Adam 12. Number 11, The Moth Squad. Number 10, The FBI. Number 9, Bonanza. Number 8, Medical Center. Number 7, Hawaii Five-O. Number 6, The ABC Movie of the Week. Number five, Gunsmoke. Number four, Ironside. Number three, Here's Lucy. Number two, The Flip Wilson Show. And the number one show in the country, Marcus Welby, MD. Which was the very first time that a TV show on ABC was the number one show in the country in the Nielsen ratings. So that was definitely groundbreaking for ABC. Now, a lot of these TV shows I have seen. Some I have not, uh, but, you know, there's quite a bit of variety on this list. A lot of movies, I mean, the weekly movies really dominate this list, I've noticed. Lots of family shows, uh, a lot of variety shows as well. I think variety shows and um, the movie, uh, you know, network movies, I think they're the dominant uh shows on this list you know you do have a couple of westerns the only we have three westerns on the list the men from shiloh gunsmoke and bonanza and then of course you have your comedies you have here's lucy mary bray rfd the martella moore show the doris day show and my three sons uh not a lot not too many dramas are on this list marcus welby of course 
Ironside, Mod Squad, Hawaii Five O. So there is some diversity here. Um, but one thing that I'm really getting from this list is how TV was shifting. It was definitely changing. And it changed just within the past five years. If you go back to, let's say, 1966, you definitely see some changes in regard to TV. Um, you know, the Maritola Moore show, a very groundbreaking show. Uh, Marcus Welby, very realistic as well. Ironside, just the same. Mod Squad, very hip. So you saw a lot of evolving in regard to weekly network television by 1971. Now, of course, there were a lot of shows that made their debut in 1971. We'll get to those in a bit. I do want to take a look, though, first at the TV shows that came to an end in 1971. Now, we've already talked about the rural purge, the big rural purge over on CBS, where in the words of, remember Green Acres and the gentleman who portrayed Mr. Haney? He said that CBS basically canceled every TV show that had a tree in it. And he was pretty much on point with that. Green Acres came to an end, along with the Beverly Hillbillies, Hogan's Heroes, and two shows that were in this top 30 list that I just mentioned to you, The Jim Neighbors Show and Maybury RFD. Also having ended were Hogan's Heroes and Family Affair. Uh, also, Hee Haw. I forgot I mentioned Hee Haw as well. So that's three shows within the top 30 that CBS canceled. I think that was the real one of the biggest surprises in TV during 1971. The fact that some of these shows, they were all still pretty, you know, doing well in the ratings. Three, like I just said, were in the top 30. And they were still canceled with the network anyway, which was pretty unheard of. But again, that goes back to Fred Silverman, the new programming director over at CBS, and his desire to really change the image of the network. Now, I did a whole episode about this a couple of months ago. So, you know, if you want to go take, uh, take a listen at that, you're definitely welcome to. The title is simply The Rural Purge of 1971. But other TV shows ended that well, ended uh, that year as well. Uh, for example, Julia ended after three years. Julia, of course, or Diane Carroll, she was a single mother. She was a widow. Her husband was killed in Vietnam, and she was raising her little boy, Corey. And it just basically detailed um, Julia's life as a mother, as she was a nurse. It also showed her professional life. It showed her on the dating scene. Julia, very popular show, top 10 show. It ended its first season in the top 10. But Julia underwent a lot of criticism from blacks and whites alone. Uh, First of all, I mean, basically, a lot of people felt that Julia was just too cultured and too sophisticated. They felt that her apartment was just too elegant, too classy, too nice. Everything about Julia was scrutinized and criticized. And it got to the point where Diane Carroll just didn't want to do the show anymore. That's why Julia ended. It had nothing to do with ratings, had nothing to do with the network. It was on NBC. It would have definitely been renewed for a fourth season, but she opted out. She said that she ended up having an ulcer. 
and she just couldn't take the pressure anymore coming at her from all sides and I completely understand that I get that completely I had an ulcer once myself that's no fun and you have to get rid of what the cause of the ulcer is so if it meant Julia coming to an early end well unfortunately that was necessary for her but she did the right thing also having ended in 1971, That Girl, which ran for five years on ABC, starring Marlo Thomas. Also, The Bill Cosby Show ended after two years. The Andy Williams Show came to an end, as well as The Johnny Cash Show and The Red Skelton Show. Also, The Nanny and the Professor ended, along with The Danny Thomas Show. Now, The Danny Thomas Show also went by the name of Make Room for Granddaddy. It was kind of like a continuation or a reboot of Make Room for Daddy. You basically saw the Williams family back and you got to see what they were up to in the present day because Make Room for Daddy ended in 1964. So six years later, the show came back. You got to see what Rusty was up to along with, of course, Danny and Kathy. They were grandparents. By that point, Terry had married and had a child, so they were grandparents. You got to see Linda back. And so basically, it was just a continuation of Make Room for Daddy, but the ratings were... I don't think they were that great, so uh, the show did not last very long, unfortunately. I have yet yet to see an episode, but I would definitely like to. Time for me to go and check on YouTube and see if one of those episodes is over there. Also, uh, the Don Knotts show came to an end. He had his own variety show for a little bit. He wanted that show to end on his own. He didn't really feel comfortable in the variety format, according to his biography that I watched on A&E some years ago. So he pretty much welcomed the opportunity for that show to come to an end. Also ending in 1971, Dark Shadows. Very, very popular show. My mom watched that show in college. I have yet to see it, but I've heard a lot about it. Definitely a very, very popular cult favorite show, which ran from 1966, I think, to 1971. Why it ended in 71, I'm not really sure. I don't know a lot about Dark Shadows. I just know that it was extremely popular and that my mom rushed to watch it in between classes when she was in college but other than that that's pretty much all I can tell you about Dark Shadows but those include some of the shows that ended in 1971 now for shows that began in 1971 well that's another story altogether you have Soul Train now Soul Train actually began in Chicago as a local show in the fall of 1970. But Don Cornelius wanted to take the show nationally, which, thank God, he decided to do that. And it made its debut in October of 1971 in syndication. It was on seven in seven major cities um, in the beginning. Struggled in the, its first season, honestly. It struggled because a lot of acts did not really want to participate with Soul Train because it was a brand new show. They were just starting out and they kind of didn't want to, you know, they're kind of wary of it, I guess. But, you know, Don Cornelius, very determined to make that show succeed. 
He went and he got the talent that he could get. The first episode included Gladys Knight and the Pips, Eddie Kendricks, who had been in The Temptations, but he'd just recently gone solo. And Honeycomb was also on that uh, first episode. They had a number one hit in 1971 called The One Ads. And another gentleman also was on Soul Train. I can't remember his name, unfortunately. But um, by 1972, Soul Train had begun to get a lot of attention and pick up some steam. It was on, I believe, 25 markets at that point. And of course, you know, the talent began to increase. More and more artists were wanting to come on and do the show. As we know, Soul Train ran for 35 years. It ended in 2006. Also debuting in 1971, the new Dick Van Dyke show. Dick Van Dyke decided to come back. Carl Reiner was also involved in this particular show as well. And he decided to come back, not with the original cast of the Dick Van Dyke show, but brand new cast, brand new character, brand new everything. His wife was portrayed by Hope Lange. And in this particular series, it was also a sitcom. They had a daughter. I think they might have also had an older son, but I'm not positive. But uh, the Dick Van Dyke Show, new Dick Van Dyke Show, that is, ran for three years on CBS. It made its debut that fall. Also debuting were Cannon, McMillan and Wife, Columbo, The Sunny and Cher Variety Hour, Alias Smith and Jones, Longstreet, which was a very short-lived show. It only lasted a season. It was about a blind detective. It was uh, starred James Franciscus. Really good show. I've seen a couple of episodes. They should have left that show on because one thing was very unique to have a show revolve around a uh, visually impaired character, but the show was really good. It was good. He lost his sight. There was a, a pilot movie to it, and he lost his sight in an accident, but he decided to continue to be a detective, be a cop, And it was a really good show. It should have definitely stayed on longer than it did. Again, made its debut in the fall of that year. Of course, the biggest TV show to make its debut in 1971, I'll get to in just a bit, but also making its debut, The Electric Company. Now, if you're a Gen Xer like me, you remember The Electric Company very, very well with uh, all those very interesting, unforgettable characters like Easy Reader. You cannot forget The Electric Company. I mean, that was must-see TV when you were a kid back in the 70s. Um, actually, The Electric Company, if not mistaken, reruns ran through the 80s, the early 80s. Uh, but I loved watching Electric Company. It was a lot of fun. And uh, there are clips on YouTube. I don't know if they're full episodes, but I know there are clips. I've seen some. So, yes, The Electric Company also started up in 1971. Hey, you guys. <laughs> but as I was about to say, the top TV show to make its debut in 1971, of course, was All in the Family. All in the Family made its debut on January 12th, 1971. It was a mid-season, I had a mid-season debut. All in the Family faced controversy from the very first episode. There was a disclaimer, and you can see this disclaimer. If you get get TV, they show the original disclaimer um, before All in the Family episodes almost every time. There was a disclaimer that was placed on the very first episode. Because the show was super, super controversial. I mean, when it comes to TV families, you basically saw people like, you know, 
The Cleavers and Leave It to Beaver, The Donna Reed Show, Ozzy and Harriet. You didn't see anyone like the Bunkers. You didn't see a character like Archie Bunker, who was a staunch bigot. And the thing was, a lot of people in the beginning, they didn't quite understand All in the Family and the message it was trying to convey. They thought All in the Family was glorifying racism. Because R.T. Bunker was saying some, oh my gosh, if that, sh- that show would not, it would not make it today. Everybody says that. All in the Family would not make it in the present day. Because it was just the language alone just would be so, it was offensive then. But now, I mean, it would be all, I mean, oh my gosh, it'd be all over CNN, all over Fox, it'd be all an Inside Edition, Entertainment Tonight, it'd be all over Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I mean, it just, it just would not make it. But the point of All in the Family was to show the ignorance of racism, to show how ridiculous it is for someone uh, like Archie Bunker to have the viewpoints that he had. Not just about, you know, uh, race, but about sex, about, you know, uh, you know, he was very much of a sexist. You know, he didn't think that women were very bright, very smart. They belonged in the kitchen. They didn't need to work. Uh, he had a lot of very outdated points of view. And, uh, you know, All in the Family basically put a very big, bright spotlight on those points. And in the beginning, All in the Family, contrary to popular belief, was not an overnight success. All in the Family struggled in the ratings for the first several months. It did not do very well on CBS. I read there were even brief talks of cancellation, but the network didn't want to cancel it. Fred Silverman didn't want to cancel it since he was the head of programming. Norman Lear and Bud Yorkin really were determined to, you know, see that show succeed. So All in the Family got a brand new lease on life thanks to summer reruns. When the show was on during the summer, people began to watch it and they began to discover it and they began to think that it was absolutely hilarious. And by the fall of 1971, All in the Family was the number one show on in the country. And it was the top-rated TV show for five years in a row. Won countless Emmys. Very groundbreaking television show. Very, uh, one of my favorites. It's one of the first TV shows I remember watching. Because you'd hear Archie Bunker say all these crazy things. And my family, they just, they, they just thought that he was just ridiculous. They, they laughed at the way that, at, at the way that he thought his whole mindset, they laughed at the nonsense that he was saying, didn't agree with it at all, of course, but it's just like, is he serious? So, you know, I, and that was what they passed on to me. Like things that this man is saying, they're not true. Don't listen to him. He's out of his mind. So that was my introduction to all in the family and to, uh, the character of R.T. Bunker. But um, not only did Archie Bunker and All in the Family focus on the topic of race, the topic of sex, but also homosexuality, menopause, rape, mental illness, poverty, any topic you can think of that was controversial, All in the Family addressed. It definitely, as I said, broke a lot of ground. And it was the TV show, in my opinion, that caused television to grow up and and to develop a backbone. Because these issues were not addressed on television. I mean, they just were not focused on. 
I mean, you would see episodes of, let's say, Mod Squad or Iron Mod Squad or Ironside, where they would, you know, have drug episodes or they would talk about racism. But I mean, it, they didn't. It was just something was just different. Something was different with All in the Family. I think because they addressed it with humor. I think that's what made that made it so so different. And uh, the language and the character of Archie Bunker, who was just so bold and so outrageous, I think that had a lot to do with it too. And of course, you had to, I can't just talk about Archie without, without mentioning Edith and Mike and Gloria and the supporting cast. I mean, you had Lionel. Lionel was pretty much a regular from the very beginning. And then, of course, later on, you got to see, you know, Louise and then George. You got to see um, Irene Lorenzo. Her husband, Frank, was on there for a while. So you have to remember the supporting cast of characters on that show as well. And they worked so well together. The chemistry amongst them was absolutely brilliant, absolutely superb. So I think that's why All in the Family really made a bigger impact when it came to discussing any kind of topic that was controversial because, again, they did it through humor. And, again, they, they didn't hold back with, the, with the, the language, the verbiage that they used. I mean, some of the episodes, you watch them now, your mouth is still going to drop open when you hear some of the things that are said. Not just by Archie, but just the episodes themselves. So, um, yeah, definitely changed television. Definitely the TV show that caused television to completely evolve and change like never before. And uh, one of my favorites. I still love watching All in the Family. Of course, the entire series is available on DVD. It is brought on Get TV. I think they bring it on around 10 in the morning or 11 in the morning Eastern time. And again, they bring it on overnight. A couple of episodes as well, like around, I think, midnight, one in the morning. So if you want to check that out, definitely. If you've never seen it before, well, I'm going to warn you. Maybe you should go to Google and research it first. Go to Wikipedia and look it up. You know, because if you're overly sensitive, you're not going to care for the show. You're going to be outraged. You're going to find it offensive. You're going to be tripping, quite frankly. So if you want to watch it, you've never seen it. I would, again, I'd do some research on it first. But if you've seen it like I have, you're familiar with it. Yeah, it's on Get TV. But, um, yeah, 1971, classic year for television. On another note, classic year for films. Uh, Clute was released that year with Jane Fonda and Donald Sutherland. That was also the introduction of the introduction to the shag haircut because Jane Fonda is the one who introduced that in the movie. Of course, you also had Love Story with Ally McGraw and Ryan O'Neill, the biggest movie, not, no doubt, of 1971. Also, you had Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory with Gene Wilder, also released in 1971. Uh, when it comes to TV movies, you had Brian's Song released that fall. Uh, like true life story about uh, the football player Brian Piccolo, starred James Caan and Billy Dee Williams, also Shelley Fabre and Judy Pace. Huge ratings bonanza, very, very sad, very touching, very heartbreaking wrenching story true story the music of 1971 that's another story at carol king and tapestry you had isaac hayes and shaft the theme for the movie shaft another big movie from 1971 shaft the theme from shaft won isaac hayes an academy award and rightfully so that song is amazing 
Now, the number one song in the country on the day that I was born goes to Three Dog Night, Joy to the World. That song was the top song of 1971. Stayed at number one, I think, for five or six weeks that spring. And uh, love the song. I saw Three Dog Night do that song live in Vegas, oh, I guess about 12 years ago. An amazing experience. A lot of people do not get to hear the number one song in the country the day they were born performed live. Um, but also released in 1971 musically, um, The Temptations uh, released another album. That was, of course, the year when Eddie Kendricks, as I just said earlier, went solo. He left the group. But this was not before they released the beautiful, another number one hit called Just My Imagination with Eddie Kendricks on lead vocals. So 1971, a great year in pop culture. Uh, I know I'm forgetting some things. I know I am in regard to music for sure. Uh, the Rolling Stones, of course, they released an album that year. Uh, Brown Sugar was on the album. I can't think of the name of the album, but Brown Sugar was a top uh, number one song for them. Uh, also, another, another number one song in 1971. I just was just thinking of it. I can't remember the name of the song I was going to mention to you. But uh, again, a lot of great music out that year. Lots of great music. Um Lots of like movies, TV. I'm very honored that the year that I was born had such amazing entertainment for, you know, that people are still enjoying today, you know, and that have enjoyed for the past 51 years. So I am very, very honored to be a part of 1971. So that's what I wanted to talk about today. I wanted to like to focus on the television. Of course, I knew it was knowing me. I knew I was going to get off into the movies, get off into the music as well. Kind of just, you know, couldn't help but do that. But uh, yeah, 1971, an unforgettable year. There's also a documentary. I have yet to see it. It is about the music of 1971. It's titled 1971, the, the year I'm bungling the title I'm sorry to say it basically talks about how music the music of 1971 changed music going forward it's a documentary I believe it was on Apple um Apple TV I think also maybe on CNN it was released last year and I've yet to see it believe it or not I did buy a book though about 1971 uh the music of 1971 I bought it at at, uh, half price books So 1971, definitely a year of change in regard to movies, music, and TV. Definitely made a lot of impact, and it's impact that's still, again, being enjoyed and that is still being felt today because um, the impact is still trickling down throughout entertainment 51 years later. So I have to watch the documentary. I'm going to go and see if I can find it. I'd love to see it, find out more about the music of that year. Uh, And um, yeah, so anyway, just wanted to give, pay homage to my birth year. And, uh, you know, I don't know if there's anyone else who loves their birth year as much as I love mine. Probably a lot of people are, are... Especially as you get older, they're kind of embarrassed by their birth year or else they don't pay it much attention when they're younger. Me, I've always loved my birth year. Even when I was, uh, you know, a kid, a teenager, and now as a middle-aged adult, love, love my birth year. So, yes, I could not not 
um, do an episode about 1971. And on that note, I'm going to go ahead and close this out, this particular episode. I'll be back with a special Mother's Day episode in a couple of days. That I'm looking very forward to doing. It's going to be very unique, and I hope that you will join me for that. I'm still working on it, getting it all together. And I'll be back with that probably Saturday, the day before Mother's Day. Until then, thank you so much for listening, and I will see you next time.